Hey, everybody, this is episode 25 of Artist Soapbox. Hello, and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring artists from the Triangle region of North Carolina talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you an episode featuring Cheryl Shambly, my first and longtime creative partner. Cheryl is someone I always look to as a model for making great and vibrant art while also living a full and well-considered life, so I know you'll enjoy the gems of wisdom she shares in this episode. Cheryl Shambly is a writer, strategist, theater maker, and mama with more than 20 years of experience as both an artist and a nonprofit leader. As co-artistic and managing director of Both Hands Theater Company, she led the making and producing of 10 years of original work in downtown Durham and beyond. As executive director of the Chatham Arts Council, Cheryl recently led the creation of a new focus and identity, including the creation and implementation of the Chatham Artists in Schools Initiative. She attributes much of her learning over the last five years to partnerships with caring, engaged artists and board members in Chatham County. Cheryl's nonprofit coaching work centers around impact and sustainability, and she coaches leaders, boards, and creatives in times of transition. You can find her at OneBrokenTeapot.com, and you can see her writing featured in Circe Volume 1, in a new project to be announced later this year, and at her website. Hi, Cheryl. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited. So let's transition right into talk about transitions. <laughs> In our conversation prior to this interview, you mentioned that most of your client work is around transitions right now. What kinds of transitions are your clients facing? So many. Uh, I think it can probably break down into about four categories. There are some groups and some artists that are involved in changing their way of working. So they're either adding something really big and new, or they are changing the structure, or they're really actually narrowing. They're stopping doing some things and narrowing their focus. So that's one thing. Uh, There are also some groups I've worked with that are recommitting, and they're trying to really stick to what they said they were going to do. Then there are some groups that are uh, going to the next level. A lot of the time, this a lot of times this happens during a leadership shift, and then there's also the anniversary celebration transition. A lot of times that marks a shift for a group. Mm-hmm. And how do you support clients through these types of transitions? What is your role in this? Well, I like to think about. I like to think about this work, actually, some in the same framework as I think about making art. So so two things that making a new piece of art and going through really, I think, any kind of transition, this includes personal transitions, but we'll talk about for artists and, and arts organizations right now, two things that that has in common with making a new piece of art. One is that the process is just as important as the product. And then the second one is that the story and the characters are super important. So you've got to pay attention to those things. So I help groups pay attention to process, story, and characters. And there are there's sort of four steps in that. They don't always go in a linear fashion, but there are four steps in it. First, I ask them a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. 
I love questions. And so we ask a lot of questions. And then after that, we figure out what the story is that they want to tell. And that story can be about what they just did, about the transition, about what they're going to do. And it's usually about all three of those things. Mm-hmm. And then I help them tell the story. And that can take lots of different forms. We can talk about that in, in a minute. But um, tell it, the telling of the story comes out in lots of different ways. And then, very important, we make a practical plan for how they're going to live the story going forward. So this is what we want to be. This is how we want to be it. But h- how are we going to make that happen right. like, in real life? Right. So those are those are the four parts pieces. And I actually think the question asking is the most important part. Mm. And why is that? Because if you don't, much like when you're making a piece of art, if you don't get the, if you don't get the foundation part right, then the the rest of the parts become so much harder. Mm. So we have to get real clarity uh, as an individual artist, or especially when you're working with a managing director or a, a board or when you're working with a partner artist or bandmates. We have to make sure that everyone is understanding where where they are now and mm-hmm. where they want to be. And it's kind of amazing. There is not a single leader or artist or arts organization that I have worked with that wasn't surprised during the question-asking phase. Mm-hmm. And about big things, mm-hmm. about big things like, oh, you think of it that way? I, I've, I've been thinking of it this way. Mm-hmm. Those are totally resolvable, but so much better to resolve that before you're telling your story out in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that folks are often surprised mm-hmm. that they don't know the answers to these questions mm-hmm. or they're surprised that they're not on the same page. But that's not because it's not because they're stupid. Right. It's because we're so busy making the art or trying to raise the funds to do the art, doing all those things that have to be done that it really helps to have somebody else who's not right in the middle of it right. come in and say, "Okay, well, what do you mean by that word exactly? Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? How do you see that playing out in real time in real space?" Mm-hmm. Seems like you could also hear the answers to those questions and ask the questions without judgment. You, you're not bringing in the emotional baggage or the history that people in the room have with one another. So you can, your questions are coming from a place of wanting to solve this problem and move forward or wanting to make this transition as smooth as possible rather than having some sort of other agenda under the question or the answer that other people in the room, even if they ask it in the most, you know, innocent and generous way possible, it might not be heard in that way. So coming from from an outside perspective, you offer that ability to um, open up conversation and clarity without potentially tricky um, interpersonal stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's why we go to therapists in mm-hmm. our personal lives, <laughs> right? right? Because, because in reality, they don't care what we decide. They just want us to decide 
in a way that's helpful and healthy for us. Mm -hmm. And I feel that same way about the artists and the organizations that I work with. You can choose A or you can choose B. I just want you to feel great about it and really know what you're choosing. Right, right. Now, did you develop the this process yourself or at what point did you develop this because it's it's clearly a structured process mm -hmm. and you know how you're taking clients through that uh, can you talk a little bit about that i did develop it uh with i think a huge amount of background and experience and mentorship mm -hmm. along the way i my first arts nonprofit work was with the most fabulous Joyce Moffat in Chicago. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be along for the ride to help get the Harris Theater for Music and Dance built in Millennium mm. Park there. And Joyce is an extraordinary arts manage manager and arts supporter. And so I learned a huge amount there. And then along the way at various, uh, in various iterations, I've added to just like you do in your, in your process as an actor or a director or performer, I've sort of added to that toolbox. I added to it when you and I were working together, producing both hands mm -hmm. work. And I think I sort of solidified it when I came on as executive director at the Chatham Arts Council. We went through a huge process of relaunch at mm -hmm. that time. There was this great foundation in place, and we wanted to really narrow and focus. So we went through a big transition at that time. And I think that's really when I that, – that's when the process for me became much more specific. Mm -hmm. It is always evolving. For sure. And it changes with each – group or individual that I work with, but mm -hmm. I think that's where it, it got more specific. Mm -hmm. So it occurs to me that transition is kind of a nicer way of saying change. <laughs> and people don't like change. Right. Change is hard. We right, even right. avoid saying that word. Um, <laughs> so why do you think that transitions slash changes <laughs> are difficult for individuals or organizations. Why is it important that we pay attention to transitional moments? Transitions lead us to the next thing that we're going to do or be. Mm -hmm. And if we want the next thing that we're going to do or be to go well for us or have the best chance of going well, then it's really important to pay attention to the process of getting there. You can see it with your child mm -hmm. that how you transition out of one thing that was really hard or really fun, it kind of doesn't matter, mm -hmm. and into the next thing makes a huge difference in how the next thing is going to go. And grown-ups are no different from children in that way. I think we're just a little bit better at um, hiding it. Right. And organizations are no different than children in that way. We have all these boxes that we need to check, all these tasks that we need to do to make a thing happen. And at the same time, we have some really vulnerable feelings happening around it. And, and oftentimes, as artists and as arts organizations, we're doing this transition in front of people. Right. So all of that 
you know, we're trying to celebrate the old, move on in a way that helps us have success going forward, have feelings, check boxes. It's a, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And that shit's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like there are multiple... Um, there are multiple components to it, right? Because you're dealing with something that is practical and logistical, but you're also dealing with the emotions of the individuals going through the transition, in individuals who are attached to the organization going through the transition. And if you don't mm-hmm. deal with all of those components, it trips up the other ones. So in other words, if you don't handle the emotional processing, then sometimes that impedes the ability to handle the practical matters because people, you know, freeze up, they run away, they exhibit behaviors in front of others that might not be mm-hmm. as productive as they like. So it's kind of a 360. You can't just deal with one piece. You can't just make sure that everybody shows up for the meeting on time or just write the press release. These other factors need to be managed as well. That's right. And and you are absolutely correct that a lot of times in a transition, there's a big thing, often practical, that is not getting done. Nobody's doing it. The person who said they weren't, were going to do it, it feels like they still need more information. Somehow this thing is not happening. And it's most of the time, not about the thing. Mm-hmm. It's most of the time about what's underneath the thing. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular example that you'd like to share of um, of a way in which you've worked with a client? Yes, I can share. I can share a couple. Here's here's one that I enjoyed so much, so much. So I worked with a leader of a fabulous children's theater in another part of the country. She's so good, so good, and she was way overstretched. Mm. She was one of the founders of the company. The company has grown in this amazing way. And and she was really overstretched. Uh, The result of our work together, and it, it, it went over six weeks. We worked together once a week for six weeks. And the result of that work together, ton of question asking up front, lots of conversation, we ended with a mission statement for her that she hung on the wall of her office and it said in two sentences what she did and what she did not do Mm. because the transition for her was stepping from this sort of founder feeling into a real sort of founder more grassroots kind of feeling into a more professional executive directorship Mm -hmm. and transitioning from that place where as the founder of an arts organization you do all the things and whatever needs to happen in that moment well you get it done whether that's going to pick up drinking straws or Mm -hmm. directing something and so to make that transition she she now has a mission statement that's on her wall everyone can see it including her it says what she does and what she does not do two sentences Mm -hmm. So that's that is one example of an individual mm-hmm. arts leader who was going through a transition. Mm-hmm. That seems like a really important time 
to work with you because there are so many artists who are who get to a point where they're straddling that line between the I do everything person, I'm getting this done kind of right. to I want to take the next step into something that's more that's working at a higher level with more people involved and that's really confusing because we're not used most of us are not used to making art in that way, unless we start with a large organization um, from the beginning. So that, and that you, again, talking back about the emotional piece, there's a lot of emotion around, what, what do they call it, founder syndrome? Right. And um, that has to be, has to be navigated, which makes me think a little bit about uh, another conversation that you and I had before this interview about the, this letting go piece about how, as artists, that can be something that we are inclined to do. You said th that as artists, we tend to trust, say no, and let go, but that those skills or tendencies <laughs> don't always transfer mm. when we're in business mode when we're running our arts organization. So would you talk a little bit about what you have seen in the letting go bucket? Yes. I have think I've been thinking about this particular part of transitions in this particular way with ours and arts organizations a lot lately. Because it's super it's super present in so so many for so many of us. And been thinking about what happens when you're holding on to a vision of what you want to make happen. And where is the line between all the things that you hear are important, like persistence and grit and optimism and hope, and the other things you hear are important, which are reality mm -hmm. and acceptance and trust. How do you, how do you navigate that line? How long do you hold on to a vision in the way that you had originally seen it happening? How do you know if you're just in a dip uh, or if you need to say, you know, I'm done here. To, we, right, <laughs> right, right, right. We got to cut bait on this right. or, or we have to do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about the fact that we have a ton of practice doing that as artists in art projects, project by pro you and I, mm. you, we have made a lot of shows together from scratch, right? So we start with the, this sort of smattering of ideas we are interested in or these questions that we're interested in. And then eventually that becomes a script and eventually it becomes a fully produced performance. But the, the ending show never mm -hmm. looked the way the original questions or images started out looking. And so along the way, we had to trust enough to say, no, I really love that idea. That is cool. But we're letting that go because right. it doesn't fit in here. Right. We had to trust enough to do that and allow it to become what it was going to become. Usually becoming better, mm -hmm. I think perhaps always becoming better than what that original seed was. But if we hadn't been able to let go some... It, it never, A, never would have become real, mm -hmm. and B, never could have evolved to where where it really needed to go. So I think that we can apply that to life in many, many ways, and 
for some reason, you know, we have all this practice on this side, but we're not as practiced hmm. on the practical um, management side of things. I have, I've worked with artists and art organizations that are doing one of two things. It, it's usually one of two. They're either gripping too tightly mm-hmm. to, to this vision or they have no container at all and are sort of v- so porous that it could be any, anything mm-hmm. happens. And neither one of those tends to be the healthiest way to, to work and move forward. Mm-hmm. So just like in our arts projects, when we're managing these things, we have to let go even of the good things, even of this line that I love so much right. in order to make room for the, be- for the best things. Right, right. That's so interesting. It it does seem like we're always managing a series of decisions or constantly assessing the degree to which we hold on to mm-hmm. whatever it is that we're working on. Because if you squeeze a thing too tightly, mm-hmm. that thing... You're choking it, right? You're, you're, you're doing damage, basically, by holding something so tightly that no one can breathe. But there are times when you're on the bucking bronco of a project and you have to hold on. Like, even if it's hard, you have to hold on. You have to have some boundaries around it. Otherwise, you will be thrown off into, you know, the wrong orbit. And so it's, it's constantly checking in about where you are on that degree of letting go-ness. Yes, yes, that is absolutely true. And sometimes, sometimes you can check in with your, with your artistic partner. Sometimes you can check in with your managing director. Sometimes you can check in with your audience mm-hmm. and, and find out those answers. Sometimes you need a completely other perspective. Mm-hmm. And, Either way, no matter no matter how you get perspective, is really helpful to do it in in some way mm-hmm. al- along the along the transition journey. And I love the point that you raised about as artists when we're making art uh, that we can move through this fairly rapidly. Um, I know when when you and I were making work together, if something didn't work, it didn't work. You just right. throw it. You just throw it away. It's and it's no big deal. You know, something else will come up. Something else will take its place. But it's not working for this project. It's not making it better. And you just move on from that without any kind of you know, um, you know, rending of clothing or like clenching <laughs> right. of jaw. You know, it was just right. like, all right, well, that doesn't work. You know, let's do something else. Um, but there's something about when we frame ourselves as business artists Mm. um, putting, it it just, I don't know. It's a very interesting question about why it becomes so challenging. Um, I don't know if it has to do with the the idea that it's not an isolated event. It's not one project, but it's rather something that extends over time. Maybe you have a a sense of, of why that Maybe it's an experience that we are used to making lots and lots of art, but we're not used to um, managing it. Mm. Um, but there does seem to be some speed bumps there for moving forward. That's a great. That's a great question, and it occur- 
two 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 things occur to me there. So one, I think it does have to do with the experience part of it because artists are so often doing all the things. So they're doing their marketing, they're doing their fundraising, they're doing their uh, house management, they're doing all the things in addition to the thing that they really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And we so often learn on the job, but that doesn't mean all artists have a background in marketing or fundraising, you know, right? might be feeling it out Mm -hmm. as you go. And so if you are someone who's trying to feel it out as you go, that those iterations can take a lot more time and feel very scary. Mm-hmm. So there's that vulnerability. But then I also think the second piece of it, the the other vulnerability there is that it's very similar to if you go to give a talk as your as yourself. Mm-hmm. You, Tamara Kassane, are going to give a talk in front of 300 people. That is very different than you, Tamara Kassane, performing as a character in front of 300 people, right? That's a different thing. And and folks may often say to you, oh, this should be easy easy for you because you're an actor. You've been on stage tons of times, right? But but it's not the same because you're yourself. Mm -hmm. You're you're yourself in front of the 300 people when you're giving a talk. Right. Very different thing. So similarly, when you're doing all of your business of the arts, you're not a character. You're yourself. So that has a different kind of vulnerability to it than making a piece of work and putting it on stage. Mm -hmm. That's a very different level of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And you might... Be more com- you might be comfortable with one and not be as comfortable with the other. Right, right. You mentioned this a couple of moments ago, but I wanted to circle back to it because I love, I love this idea. On your website, you write, quote, I offer support and perspective and a framework for the hard work of saying no to the good things so that you can get to the rewards of the best things. That is really a, a amazing statement, and I know that this thoughtful and intentional choice making is an area of expertise for you. Would you tell us a little bit of how you got to that statement and some examples of of what that might mean? Letting go is always a transition. And for me, that started with stuff, actually, Mm -hmm. physical things. And I had been reading about this concept of minimalism and uh, all all the various things you can find about decluttering and those things. I had been reading about those for years and sort of making an inroad here and then nothing and then an inroad there and then nothing and mostly reading. And so then my husband Adam and I moved twice in six months. Mm. And during that process, we let go of at least 50% of our stuff. And it just opened things up for us in a really 
really nice way, and suddenly we could see and use and treasure things that had sort of been buried before the things that were left. And we thought, okay, this is pretty good. Let's try and apply that in other ways to our time commitment, to each of our creative work, to our strategic work. And for me, as far as the what we're talking about here and the arts management part of it, it was sort of like a missing piece to the puzzle that I had been trying to put together in that arts management side of my brain. So that did coincide with right around the time that I got to the Chatham Arts Council. And so so you and I were working together a lot when I was at a time when I felt like I had learned a lot of right things about how to market and how mm-hmm. to fundraising. And I knew I knew sort of what to do. And I ran around like a maniac, like trying to do them all at the same time. And you you were a part of running around like a maniac, mm-hmm. trying to do them all at the same time. And we were trying to make the theater too, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And then later, after that, this idea that you had to not do some of those good things in order to really focus on doing the best things, totally changed things for me. Because it sort of doesn't matter if all these things are good things to do, or even if you enjoy doing all these good things, if you are doing them all an inch deep Mm -hmm. and, and feeling like a maniac the whole time. So much so much the better if you can choose three of those 25 good things and do invest in them really deeply and then and then get the best out of that so it changed things for me so much that i have really enjoyed sharing that with other artists and other arts administrators who might not want to spend 10 years reading about this and experimenting in various and sundry different failing and then finally <laughs> finding some uh, finding some peace with it. So they benefit from your experience. <laughs> well, I want to stick with this for just a minute because mm-hmm. this is something that I'm constantly hearing from other artists and I also am really struggling with myself. I hear from other people I want to do all these things. I'm not giving any of them up. They're all really enjoyable and fun. And yet, I feel like I'm only doing a mediocre job with all of these things, Mm -hmm. or I'm completely stretched, I'm stressed, and it goes on and on and on. So we all know that we need to cut back. People don't know what to cut back or how to make those decisions. How might you approach that if, if I came to you with that issue? But I don't have it. No, I'm just kidding. I do have it. <laughs> this is where I benefit. <laughs> awesome. Right. I mean, honestly, I think it is relatively impossible not to have that to some degree. Mm-hmm. So you're not alone. Mm-hmm. We, all, we, all, we all have that. But the degree to which you can um narrow that would is and, and release some of that can really make a big difference and i'm coming back to the question asking again my role in all of that 
is to ask questions. Tamara, do you have the bandwidth for that? Mm -hmm. How late are you staying up to do that? What things are you giving up? Are you okay with giving that up? Mm -hmm. Would you, if you had to choose, I will be present for this or I will be present for that, which one of those would you choose if it were sitting in front of you as a choice instead of on the day of you're like running around throwing things and right. packing, you know, like right. jamming them in your bag and running out the door or whatever it might be. Right. Um, and to borrow a phrase from you that I use often with folks, where is your magical thinking here? Mm-hmm. Where, where are you pre- where are you pretending that it's going to take you 15 minutes to get somewhere that it's actually going to take you 25 minutes to get to? Um, and and that, that shows up in different ways with different groups. So, so I worked with a husband and wife band uh, in another state. So we, we did our work via Skype. And what ended up happening we thought we were going to be talking mostly about their 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 work their their art. We thought we were going to be talking about that. What we actually ended up talking about more than anything was their personal life mm. and how that was interacting with their art making and where they needed to make some decisions about letting go. And these were tearful conversations these were Mm -hmm. not these are not oh okay well that oh good idea i didn't really it's not oh i didn't really want to do that anyway because most of us at this point have let go of the actual things that feel like obligations mostly we've done that there might be a few we can root out Mm -hmm. but mostly we're needing some support in saying no to things that Actually, we really love, but we can't do them all. So it can really help to have somebody else say, I'm hearing you, and I'm hearing that that's important to you. And I'm also hearing that right now, at this moment Mm -hmm. in in your life, it sounds like the best of things is going to come from this choice. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to say no to that other thing, which I mean, dude, I I feel emotional thinking about those conversations cuz it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And sometimes we can't give ourselves permission to make those choices and we need somebody else to come in with some support and reality check and permission granted. Permission granted to say no to those things and not feel bad about it. It's it's amazing. So you are a practicing artist and an arts administrator, and you have been both of those things for many years. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something really special that you bring to the work that you do, both of those perspectives. What observations have you made as you've worked intensively in both roles? There is so much wonderful work being done on both sides of that coin, on the artist side and on the arts administration side. So much good work. And I think if I could, if I could envision one thing happening that would lift the level of, of our work here in the triangle, it would be that 
we could care for each other more. It would be that the art, the artists and the arts administrators could, could show that, that we care for each other more because we're all so busy doing our jobs and doing them on a shoestring mm-hmm. and really caring about making the projects happen that sometimes I think we forget that we're on the same team. Right. So, you know, from the, from the arts administrator side, I can tell you for sure that local arts administrators would not choose their jobs if they did not love and believe in the arts. Mm-hmm. The glamour factor, pretty non-existent. Uh, there's a huge amount of stress. <laughs> and it sometimes feels like everybody thinks that they could do your job better than you if they had time to do it. Sure, But people who manage in the arts they keep doing it because we believe in art. That's why we do it. And then on the, the other side of the coin, artists are working their asses off. They're doing a lot of arts management tasks themselves. And I, what you know, what I know best as an artist is the theater world and, and the writing world. And in the theater world, planning like crazy. We're making miracles of our own happening. We're delivering on time every time because the show is opening. Whether you're ready or not, the show is opening. So we're Mm -hmm. delivering. Mm -hmm. And artists are doing it because they believe in art. So everybody believes in the art. And I think we could could care for each other more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think you're right. Everybody does believe in the art and want the art to succeed. And I think sometimes we forget that Art isn't uh, this sort of separate disembodied thing. It's actually quite connected to the people who are making it on both sides, on the administrative side and the kind of literally art making side. Yes. So we I'm can't nodding just, my head vigorously. Yeah. Yes. So we can't just care about the art and let's make it and support it. We actually have to care about the people who are involved, whether that's the whether those folks are the artists or the audience members, the community members, the administrators. Those are the art. Um, those people. And if we don't value each other in the way that we profess to value the art, then it doesn't have that same sort of heart building, we're all in this together kind of feeling that it that it could have. And I wonder if some of this, these are my words and not yours, but the crankiness that can develop uh, around the art making and art administrating has to do with the stress on mm. both sides, but maybe also with this perception of being undervalued by the general public. Mm. Um, you mm. know, it's like when well, no one appreciates the arts and no one appreciates the work we do and we all work so hard. And so there's this kind of crankiness that can come up from feeling unappreciated by the wider world that then gets taken out on each other. Or, um, But I wonder if maybe one of the things that we could do would be to generate our own kind of internal validation. You know, it's like, well, the wider world might not understand or like what we're doing, but we sure do, you know, and you're doing good work and you're doing good work and I'm doing good work and let's appreciate each other and not always be looking so far out uh, for that kind of validation and and rather um, make it for one another. Yes, I absolutely agree. I was I was thinking about this after a conversation that we had the other day and I was thinking about what are the things that 
what are the elements that seem most important there? And I came, this is what I came up with. I came up with grace and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Grace and gratitude. And here's so what I, what I mean by that is that offering grace in this scenario to me means offering someone the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And so remembering that you are also working hard under crazy constraints and t- treating people in a way that takes that into account. Mm-hmm. And then the gratitude piece, it really goes a long way. You, you, Tamara, I know have been saying for a long time, I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that you say. And I have, I have carried that through in my life to say it to other people too, because that, that makes a big difference. Small thing. You can do it when you're super busy, but it, it does make a big, does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So. Grace and gratitude. Grace and gratitude. Let's get a t-shirt. Stat. <laughs> you and I have known each other for a long time. I mean, we're, we're very young, but we have known each other for <laughs> most of our lives <laughs> and seen a lot of changes that kind of come along with moving through life. How has the nature of your art making changed over the last several years? It has changed quite a bit. <laughs> I am... I am most interested in and committed to the dailiness of the work, the ritual of the work. And I think that that has actually been true about the way that I like to approach making work for a really long time. But it has shifted because that is harder as a parent Mm -hmm. and as a person who needs to make an income for for her family to or contribute to the income in her family. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I have been thinking about is what is valuable, what is worthwhile as an artist, especially in my case, as someone who who used to spend who used to make art all the time. So I used to be up really late prepping for rehearsal in rehearsal at least four hours a day. Mm. Now I get up at 4.30 in the morning so that I have time to write for 15 minutes a day. Right. So, and I write because that's what I can do early in the morning. I'm not going to have many takers for 15-minute rehearsal before the sun comes up. Right, so, right. So, so a lot of the questions for me as an artist have been around what am I willing to adapt? What is my definition of being an artist? Like what qualifies you to be an artist? Why is it important to me to still identify as an artist? Why does that even matter to mm-hmm. me? Um, so sort of brings us full circle. That has been a major transition for me, and it's one that's still evolving, and I'm still asking myself those questions and getting mentorship and coaching along the way. Mm-hmm. So what is next for you? I am writing a lot <laughs> early in the morning. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to read it then. <laughs> the nice thing about writing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and so mostly where that writing appears is on my website at onebrokenteapot.com. So that is one place to find me. 
I'm also working on two larger writing projects that I have been working on for a long time, and I'm hoping they will see some light this year, probably towards the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. And then in arts management land, one particular event that I know is coming up, uh, the Chatham Arts Council, we're holding our Clyde Fest Kids Art Festival on Saturday, April 14. Last, this is, kids make a ton of art at this thing, and it's all outside. Mm-hmm. Last year, my kid painted a Clyde critter, made a bookmark, constructed a music shaker, contributed to a community art project all during this festival. I totally recommend it. Okay. Super fun. Great. And we can find information on your website as things become revealed. Is that right? Yeah, okay. about about writing projects. About writing projects. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Great. Yes. So all of that information will also be in the show notes so people can go uh, directly there. Thank you, Cheryl, for this really awesome and stimulating conversation. I appreciate it so much. Special thanks to Shadowbox Studio in Durham, where we are recording today. Check out their website, shadowboxstudio.org. You can support this podcast via our Patreon page, patreon.com slash artistsoapbox. For more information about today's episode, go to artistsoapbox.org. And we're out. <laughs>